This podcast is listener supported. To help us out, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Red Bull Rant. The Red Bull Rant is a free-flowing conversation amongst three lifelong wackos that may contain adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, my friends, to the show never ends. This is the Red Bull Rant Podcast, the official Red Bull Podcast of SB Nation and Once a Metro. I'm your host, Jason Iapico. I'm Pat McDonald. And Truman's not here, and this is our, our episode 179. I didn't come up with a title. Yeah. It'll, <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of said, I'm Pat McDonald. I'm like, oh, wait, am I supposed to do the next part? <laughs> and that's, I'm officially making up the show title. I didn't come up with the show title. Cause yeah. It's too late to do that. Yeah. And I yeah. don't care. Um, and how much do I not care? Because the Red Bulls suck. Ugh. Yes. Yep. Uh, two matches to talk about. First one, uh, last Saturday night, Red Bulls hosting Sporting Kansas City on Lighted Up Blue Night. And, of course, that means the Blue Jerseys had a win. Sporting Kansas City 2 nothing over the Red Bulls. So that was a kind of a shit show, huh? I mean... I, I just I just can't explain what's going on with this thing, and I am going to wait until we get to our likes and dislikes because I have some really do have something to say, but I just don't understand what's going on with this team. It's not like Sporting Kansas City was that much of a threat except for a few counters in this game, and Red Bulls just couldn't do anything. I mean, they're they're getting their chances. They're just not putting them in the in the back of the goal, and uh, you know the wing play that was there last season between Grella and Sam is just not there whatsoever. Um, you know, Sam has been in a swoon since uh, late last season, um, you know, and he's not creating, he's not putting any shots on, uh, on that. It's, it's, it's tough. And, and, you know, even players like Dax McCarty haven't been great this season. So it's, it's, it's certainly worrisome. I mean, you would think with the pedigree that's on this team, it will turn around and you can, and you would hope that when Verona's back and they have that extra wrinkle, it will turn around. But um, right now it's uh, certainly not looking so good. Yeah, the Red Bulls hit twice on the counter, or I think it was twice on the counter that game. And then, of course, brother Phillips, uh, I believe it's the second time this year he was blocked on a penalty kick. Mm-hmm. So his penalty was from 2015 or carrying over, which is not a good sign at all. Um, the second game, uh, actually before we talk about the second game, yep. we have a voicemail. We have We have a special request this week, Pat. <laughs> oh, do we? Yes, we do. Uh, our, our friend Tommy from Bayonne apparently has some trouble watching the game, and he wants us to uh, help him out. So here, here's his request, and then we'll, we'll help him out. Hey, guys. Tommy from Bayonne checking in. Um, I'm a little upset. Um, I, I didn't get to catch the last uh, second half of the game last night. I, I was getting very loud, and uh, it was a late game, and I had to take my mother to her bingo tournament early this morning, and she needed her rest. So she made me. She actually pulled a plug on the TV right around 1130, so I did miss the second half. So I was wondering if you can give me a, a recap uh, on the second half in the game last night. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so before we get the recap, Tommy, next week, I hope you call in and tell us how your mom did in that bingo tournament. Yeah. And I'm sure Truman would let us, want us to let you know. Say hi to my mother for me. Of course. I, uh, th- that was going without saying, right? Yeah. Um, so to recap the game last night, uh, yeah, that was more of the same. More of the same. The only uh, difference I'm, is that we actually saw some different players in the first half. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we saw some different players. Uh, you know, it, it's it was nice to see some of the young guys out there. Unfortunately, the creativity that has not necessarily been a problem so much this season as they have gotten the ball into the box. It wasn't there whatsoever in the uh, first half. Second half, they started strong for about 10 minutes before the wheels completely came off, getting uh, a shot. BWP got a shot on goal. Uh, yeah, Anatole Bong had a shot wide when he slipped, which, uh, I mean, Avaya Field, apparently the San Jose Earthquakes the only team that uses that field, but it was in terrible condition. Uh, I mean, well, I think it was. Uh, I think I think they're talking about because I had the uh, the MLS live at the San Jose feed. I think they talked about Quincy Miracle had changed his cleats at halftime yeah. because of the field. So I mean, yeah, I, I mean, guys, guys were slipping and sliding over the, all over the place. I don't know what's going on over there in San Jose, but that's. I mean, come on, when you're the only occupant of that stadium, there's absolutely no reason the field shouldn't be in a good condition. So uh, that's definitely an issue. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the wheels came off. Uh, you know, the, the the Quakes just put the Red Bulls away, and uh, that was that. I mean, there's really not not much you can say. I feel sorry for Luis Robles, I can say that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's not getting much help <laughs> from anybody for that. Uh, 13, thir- 13 goals he's led in this year, and honestly, I, I think except for maybe like one, you can't really say that he could have saved all of them. Yeah, no, I mean, he's been victimized by poor turnovers, poor defense, and then just a complete lack of offense uh, produced. So, I mean, you know, he he can hardly be blamed for the way this team is playing. So, we're going to get to our likes and dislikes. Pat, you can go first. I have a little bit of a rant coming up, so I want to let you get yours in first. What did you dislike about these two games? I mean, again, the, the, the lack of offensive production. I mean, it, until that changes, I mean, what else is there to dislike? Um, you know, the the... You know, the Red Bulls are just, they're getting, again, they're getting their chances. They didn't get as many against San Jose. And, you know, for what it's worth, I think fans would have been happy with a draw coming out of San Jose and a long West Coast trip. Um, the, you know, they're not getting any goals. And that's worrisome, extremely worrisome. Uh, it's the most worrisome thing out there. I, I mean, you know, we saw Anatole Bond, someone I advocated to start, didn't really make much of a change. I mean, granted, he didn't have, First teamers surrounding him, uh, like uh, Bradley Wright Phillips normally would, um, but and then you know Bradley Wright Phillips came on and he he didn't make a difference either uh, against San Jose. Um, so I mean, you know it, it's and then you know obviously against Sporting Kansas City, uh, Bradley had all the chances in the world and he just couldn't put any away. I mean this is extremely worrisome at this point in the season. Uh, I mean again the good news is. You know, you can be mediocre in this league and still make the playoffs. So you can, you can only hope that the Red Bulls will turn it around. But right now, I mean, until they do, it's going to be a long season. All right. So two games, 35 total shots, 11 on target. That tells me a few things. One, the Red Bulls are actually taking shots more, unlike the beginning of the year, which is a good thing. But they are not getting into good positions to take shots because they're either getting blocked or put wide. Or when they are taking shots, it's pretty much right at the keeper. Because those are pretty much the saves that have been made. I think there was like one right Phillips goal, uh, Shia said that was, or I'm sorry, Mike Rell is the one I'm thinking of, where it was like low to the opposite side. It was like perfect, but the San Jose keeper just made a really good diving save. But I think ultimately what this comes down to is an issue with Jesse Marsh being uh, either unwilling or unable to change his tactics mid-game to counteract whatever the opposition is doing. What we saw against Kansas City was the team, once they got their first goal, 
and up until Kansas City got their first goal, that play was pretty wide open. I mean, that was like that was what we expected from the Red Bulls: high pressure, you know, get as many shots as you can. And then as soon as Kansas City got that first goal, they just bunkered in like hell, and the Red Bulls had no real quality chances in the second half of that game. Uh, San Jose didn't really do that, but they also were able to pass out of the back and beat the uh, the high press. And I don't know if he just doesn't have a second option in, his, in the back of his head in terms of tactics, or the players have just been so well-trained in the high pressure that they just don't know how to play possession football, or at least at the level they need to. But something needs to change, because the league has figured out the Red Bulls. They're going to when they can, they're going to sit back, be willing to take, absorb the pressure, just keep guys in the box to stop shots from getting in, and hit on a counterattack. And part of the problem, granted, is we have a depleted back line, so when they counterattack, they're counterattacking Kamar Lawrence and Carl Met, a, a guy who's not a center back by trade, and a guy who was not a regular starter in 2015. So it, Red Bulls defense, of course, is going to have problems with that. Um, but the team needs to uh, learn to adjust mid-game, and they until they do that, I have absolutely no confidence in this team doing anything, not winning the Open Cup, not advancing in CCL, possibly not even making the playoffs, if this continues. Because this team has, has demonstrated to me that they don't know how to win in 2016. That Houston game, that 4-3, to me, is a complete fluke, because Houston was just all fucking mode, we're not going to care about bunkering, we're going to try to score as many as we can, and it just played into the Red Bulls' favor. Every other team so far in 2016 has been willing to take their shots when given and then sit back. And the Red Bulls don't seem to have an answer. The Red Bulls controlled the ball 58% against San Jose, 64% against uh, Sporting Kansas City. You, nobody can tell me that that's a good stat in this situation when the scoreline is zero for the Red Bulls. So the team needs to learn to adjust mid-game. Or come with a different game plan and you know, still play high pressure, but somehow have a, a slightly different game plan where high pressure works against the team on the bunker. Because until they do that, to me, I don't see this team winning, or at least winning much. I mean, per- personally, I, I actually am on the side of Jesse Marshall that it's not the tactics. It's not the issue with the tactics. Um, you know, neither goal against San Jose was a counter goal. I mean, one was. I mean, I guess you could say the one because it was a poor. Um, you know, a poor pass, but we met that just got turned a poor turnover. We met and allowed them to make a quick counter. Yeah. I guess it was a pseudo counter, but it wasn't in the traditional sense. They passed out of the back in their own end and completely caught everybody off guard. Uh, the one counter attacking goal they had against ACKC, they had it defended, but then Dax McCarty made a terrible tackle and allowed them to allow his uh, manager to dribble right through him. Um, so I am not against the tactics at all. I, I think the tactics are right. Because, I mean, aside from San Jose, they are getting their chances. They're not putting them in. They're getting chances in good spots, but they're not putting them in. And that is the big problem. And I, now that being said, because the back line is so decimated right now, would it, you know, behoove Mush play a bit more pragmatic until it's healthy? I suppose. And play for ties? I suppose. But in the long term, I, I don't think the issue is the tactics. I just think it's, it's with execution, particularly – uh, in the final third, and you know, until they start putting in goals, um, I really don't think being pragmatic or anything is going to help. Um, you know, I, I, that's really what it comes down to. This isn't a de- this isn't a defensive problem that the Red Bulls have right now. Aside from injuries, it's an offensive one. 
let me let me make this clear. I am not against high pressure. I, I think it's a, well, a system that would work well in MLS. It's just that teams, at least the ones we've, and it may change based on. Granted, we've only had what six games so far, so the sample size is kind of small. So this, the results may eventually turn. But when we're controlling the ball for 64% of the time and all we have are helpless crosses into the box, I'm not at that point. The players need to learn to adjust and do something different. And I just don't see anybody on the Red Bulls making that kind of adjustment. Uh, that's that's the biggest thing. If they if if they want to play high pressure and adjust the high pressure to where it works, fine, great. I'm all on board with that. They don't want to play high pressure. Want to play more pragmatic? Fine. Honestly, I just care about results. And whatever the Red Bulls are doing, it's not working. They need to learn to adjust because the league has figured out what they were doing last year, and it doesn't seem like they're doing anything different this year aside from formation. And yeah. that is not that's not going to be enough in 2016, especially with the fact that we didn't get anybody new for the starting eleven except for Ba. And on top of that, we have him out injured with the hamstring. We have um, Zubar out with the hamstring. We have um, Paranel with the ACL. We have Verona out with the hamstring. Like I understand that injuries have decimated the the projected starting eleven for this team, but we still have uh, what is it nine out of the eleven that started at the end of the regular season last year. It's not like this. It's not like the core of the starting eleven right now has changed significantly from last year. And the first two weeks of the season, fine, or for, you know, first two three weeks, fine. That they're adjusting because they were finding new formation and all this other stuff. But they had an off week. They played against Houston. They've had t- th- these group of players have had time to adjust to the changes in the system, and it doesn't seem to be working. Uh, whether whether or not that they'll work in the long run, I don't know. But right now, I feel like something needs to change in order for this team to win. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think the system is the issue. Again, I mean, the, everyone's acting like the league has suddenly suddenly figured out the Red Bulls last year. Very short memories. The league figured out the Red Bulls very much last year. The difference was you had Matt Miazga, who sometimes would make, uh, you know, play-saving tackles. Uh, same with Damian Parnell. And, again, the team was scoring goals. That is the issue. I mean, there's no system that will fix poor finishing. I mean, that is the issue right now. It's poor finishing, nothing else. Uh, I mean, this back line will heal, um, you know. And, and for what it's worth, I mean, the scrubs they've been throwing in haven't been terrible is they just can't put anything in the back of the net. And, and there's, I mean, even if you play if you play more defensive system, that's not going to help. I mean, unless you want to employ defendant counter, cynical soccer that we were used to under Hans Vaca and Mike Pecky, maybe. But again, until they can stop with their poor finishing, I don't see any system change fixing that. that that's, that's really what the crux of the issue for the Red Bulls right now. And kind of a pet peeve is, for me, it was yesterday he started the, these new guys, like Tyler Adams and Abon, guys who hadn't been playing a lot of minutes. Why were there two halftime subs? Grant, granted, things weren't necessarily working, but you threw a bunch of new guys in on the field that they hadn't been playing before. At least early in the season, why not give them a chance? Yeah. At least, at least keep question. You know, let let the let the veterans stay on the bench. They have a game coming up on Saturday. Let the young guys get a chance to show you what they can do in, a, in an actual game situation in MLS, which is different than a game situation in USL. At, you know, it just seems counterintuitive to me to say at halftime we're going to pull Tyler Adams out of his first major league start because we feel like Sasha Kleshin is a better option when, in all honesty, Tyler Adams was playing a much better game that day than Kleshin. Um, but it's just, you know, at least in that situation, I don't understand why Marsh made that change. That's, I mean, that's, that, that's a little thing for me. 
I mean, I can see disagreeing with it. Um, you know, I, I think for SWP, it was more just she's 34. Um, well, that one, I that one, I'm okay with. But yeah. then, like, but two, I mean, who? What kind of coaches make two halftime subs? It's. Kind of, I mean, there was no creativity in the first half, none whatsoever. And I, and I know there are some rumblings out there in the internet, but I don't believe Sasha Kleshin is one of the issues on this team right now. I, I don't do think, think he's either, honestly. I, yeah, I think he's actually one of the he's, players that's been consistent this year. Yeah, I mean, I think he puts balls in good spots. So, I mean, since there was complete and utter lack of creativity, I do understand that sub. Um, but, you know, I, I know Adams is a bit more defensive-minded than, uh, you know, than... Uh, <coughs> Sean Davis. Yeah, sorry. Uh, allergies kicking in here. Uh, he's a bit more of an offensive play, or defensive player than Sean Davis, so it may have made more sense to replace... Uh, maybe he was just he was opting for more offense on the field. So um, I don't know. I, I can see again. I can see disagreeing with it, but I can also see it from Marsh's standpoint. All right, let's let's stop. Let's stop with this because this is all that was all our dislikes. We still have likes to do, right? <laughs> I know we do. Um, so what did you like about these two? Uh, they're over. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that one one long trip to the West Coast is over. That's one less long trip to the West Coast that the Rebels have to take. Um, and, uh, you know, they'll have another one out of the way in a couple of days. Uh, really, that's the only like I can take out of this is that these games are over and behind us, and hopefully they can start turning it around on Saturday. But uh, we'll see. So I generally don't like watching uh, opposing team broadcasts because I'm a bit of a homer. I like, you know, for all the chef's faults, I'd rather hear him and uh, Cangelosi. But I have to say I liked San Jose's commentary team because they were pretty fair about the game. Mm-hmm. So that's my go. like, is that San Jose's commentary team is pretty decent. There you go. And the sideline reporter actually had decent stuff to talk about, which is kind of good. <laughs> um, so we do have two voice, or two, sorry, voice uh, emails. We forgot to read the first one we planned to, so sorry about that. Um, I think we kind of talked about some of this, but we you can hit the points that you want to hit. Uh, first is from Adam Kowalski, and he has uh, a, a four-bullet list that he sent us. Uh, this was after... The first game against Kansas City. Uh, so point number one, Jesse not at fault. Decimated backline in Verone. If Felipe out is where we struggled. Um, you got you know how I feel on that one. So we're not. I, if you want to answer that one, go ahead. But let me get to the rest of these first. Uh, number two, BWP is not good. For every goal he scores, he misses four to five. Could have had a forty goal season with Henri a few years back. Having said that, he needs more help up top with Verone out. Number three, Sasha Kleshner should take the penalty kicks. And number four, ref did a fantastic job, unlike Kelly Chapman, which I have to agree, considering who we had against New England, that was a much better refereeing job against uh, Kansas City. Uh, I mean, I think they're all fair points. I'm in agreement with most. um, I I wouldn't say BWP isn't good. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, but I do agree with the point that he misses far too many chances, and that's on a horrible display this year. Um, it would be, I, I would like to see a little bit more that we only got to see 10, 15 minutes of last night of uh, BWP and a bong together and see what could happen. Maybe that can give a little bit of en- more energy to the uh, lineup, uh, allow BWP to operate in space, which he does very well and let a just kind of hover around the goal. Um, you know, so, uh, but I think they're all pretty, pretty good points for sure. And I have to say this, if you come into the league and in two full seasons score 44 goals in the regular season, and one of those seasons you are the leading goal scorer and tie the MLS record, you have to have at least some quality. You can't just you can't be bad. 
So, but he's right. He should have had more goals that year. It's crazy. I'm not saying he shouldn't have, but yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, everybody said it, but yeah. it doesn't mean he's still bad. It's yeah, just, I don't think he's bad. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's bad. That's just, uh, but right. I, I agree with that. There's flaws in his game. All right, our second email comes from uh, Jeremiah from Brooklyn. He says, it has been suggested that part of the reason why this, and again, this one was after Friday, I think. It yeah, was the ninth, so that was, I guess, Monday. Um, uh, no, Saturday, sorry. Anyway, uh, it has been suggested that part of the reason why the team would bench BWP is because it would affect his confidence. Two questions for you to ponder this week, and of course, since we all know BWP got uh, benched against Kansas City to start the game, this, we can kind of guess maybe the why, but anyway, would benching him affect his confidence more than the monumental voodoo he's currently suffering through? Number two, if he is the consummate professional we all think he is, he shouldn't he is shouldn't he take a benching, especially with the form he's in, as a challenge to get better? Have we seen that in players all over the world on a regular basis? Depending on your answers to these questions, I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether benching BWP would be a path to helping him by getting him out of the spotlight and out of the pressure. Or would it hurt him for the reasons we hear about his confidence? Love the show, guys. Go rant. Which I think is the first time we ever had go rant in the email. All right. Someone's <laughs> sucking up to us. We need more of that. Uh, um, so you're, since we know that he was benched to start the game against uh, San Jose, what do you think about the benching? I, I mean, to his first point, would it affect his confidence? I don't think it's one size fits all. Um, you know, I, I think there are probably some strikers who would then go into a deeper funk. But I, I, but to more to his second point, shouldn't he see this as a, a, a challenge to get better? I think there are plenty of strikers who would see that as well. Um, you know, it, it's some, you can just have an honest guy, like, I'm just not good enough right now. I got to do better. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, we saw the bench. I mean, we he didn't score when he came on. I mean, we'll, we'll see in the coming weeks uh, if it has any effect on his game. Uh, I mean, the fact that it matters if he keeps not scoring, he can't be the starting striker. Um, you got to find a better option. Um, you know, so I, I think it's really time will tell. I, I'm with you, Jeremiah, on this issue for the most part. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I wrote an article for Empire Cycle. It was time to bench BWP, um, you know, and in terms of his confidence. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the miss after miss after miss after miss certainly isn't going to affect his confidence. Although I can see the other side that, Getting that, you know, he can't get that first goal to get out of his funk if he's on the bench. But, I mean, right now it is his play has been to the detriment of the team. And, uh, you know, it might only make sense until the other guy starts scoring, you know, to keep him him on the bench, you know. So that way the pressure's not on him as much. But, I don't know, it's it's really a tough ball. I mean, it's – I don't think – after last night, I don't think there's an easy fix to the problem for the Red Bulls. Yeah, it's – confidence is kind of this weird thing. Like, it's – like you said, it's not one size fits all. Some people just get deflated by benching. Some people would take it as a challenge. I have no idea how Wright Phillips takes it. Uh, I, I think if you're ever going to question benching Wright Phillips, it's because he's not producing and it's worth giving somebody else a shot to take that spot from him. I mean, isn't that really the, the reason to bench anybody is they're not doing their job? That's that, Honestly, that's probably the reason to do it, if, if you're going to do it at all, is you have someone who you think will do the job better because you want to win. And for what it's worth, Obong's performance last night did not scream that he should be the regular starter. So, well, it's not like he had many chances anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he really didn't. You know, he, you know, he, he slipped on his one shot. Um, you know, it's his one good shot, I should say. 
Uh, so I guess we'll see what Jesse decides to do on Saturday. I would assume BWP will be back back in the lineup. Uh, maybe we might actually see Yvonne and by Phillips. Cause... Maybe, I, I would love to see that. I would love to see the two of them. I think it's a new look that's worth trying. They tried it a little bit last year. Um, you know, put, since you're not getting great play out of the wing, put BWP out wide. Um, you know, I, I think it, it'd be something worth taking a look at. Um, but you know, time will tell. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so that's all we have for the first segment. Um, Pat, right, nothing else for you? No, that's, I'm, I'm good on the first no. segment. All right. Uh, so we have for guest this week, former host of the Yanks Go Marching, Chris Kaminsky. We'll be back with more Red Bull rant right after this. Welcome back to Red Bull Rant. We want to welcome onto the show a former host of the podcast, Yanks Go Marching, that was uh, done along with Patrick McDonald. He's a Colorado Rapids fan. Let's welcome to the show Chris Kaminsky. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, what's happening, guys? How you doing? Good, I'm good doing, be... I'm doing, I'm doing. Yeah, it's good to be back on the air, huh? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> So uh, for those who were not familiar with Yanks Go Marching, uh, one of the little things that we did, because I was the producer of the show, uh, one of the little things that we did was I would hand out yellow and red cards throughout the day. Uh, so that's what I'm, we're going to do for this segment. I'm going to hand out at the end yellow and red cards. And, of course, since I'm the one doing it, I will not get one myself. Yeah. Just Sounds because. Like... <laughs> Sounds like that's, that's, that is the power of the producer. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. All right, so I guess uh, let's ju- jump right into it. Uh, Chris, I know when you first came on the show, or we first discussed you coming on the show, uh, you were prepared to totally bash the Colorado Rapids and the Superior Red Bulls, but uh, in only a few short, short few number of games here in the season, the Rapids are the one doing well, and the uh, Red Bulls not so much. Uh, what do you have to say about the early season uh, games for the Colorado Rapids? Well, listen, I mean, the results are one thing, right? And that's all that matters at the end of the day um, are results. But if you put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. And I mean, that, to me, is what the Rapids are. I mean, yeah, they're 3-2-1. and one, You know, they, they just came off a really great win last night against Sporting Kansas City, and I think that was actually a legitimate win. But I think their win against uh, LA Galaxy um, – it should have been just a nil-nil draw. I thought their draw against D.C. should have been a loss, and I thought their win against Toronto should have been a draw. So I, I'm not entirely sure that, you know, the record really bespeaks the quality of play that the Rabbits have exhibited. They're the same team they were last year. Um, as long as, you know, the Red Bulls, uh, you know, let let Colorado possess the ball and not penetrate too deeply – they're, they, you know, they like the possession, but they are not very efficient uh, when they're, you know, moving the ball around, getting into that final third. They don't create many chances for themselves. They take a lot of shots from the outside. I think they'll be dealt with easily. So I, I don't see too much to worry about for you guys, honestly. I mean, I, don't take get me wrong. I'll take the results, but I, I don't think you have too much to worry about. <laughs> Well, now, now that I can tell you that the Red Bulls don't like allowing teams to just possess the ball uh, and actually put a high press pretty good, does that change your uh, opinion at all? 
Well, it would if we had any quality attacking depth, right? But uh, did you see the the tweet that Kevin Doyle, our forward, put out after his uh, injury playing for Ireland? I mean, big gash in the leg. He's out for another few weeks. Uh, Dylan Powers missed uh, yesterday's game. We don't know why. It's kind of a mystery. He wasn't listed on the injury report, but he wasn't even in uniform. We only had four guys on the bench last night. Um I mean, we, there's just the, the lack of depth for this team is at this early point in the season is already pretty alarming. Uh, so, I mean, we only have, you know, a little bit of depth at forward. We don't have much in terms of wing play. Um, Dylan Cernoff can't get on the field for some reason. He, he played last night because out of necessity, um, but they played him at right back. Uh, so I, I really don't know what the hell Pablo is doing. I don't know what Paul Bravo is doing in building the team. And I don't think we have a lot of quality um, attacking depth. Uh, Gashi has been, you know, nice. And I think he's going to be a really good player once he adjusts to the MLS style of play. I think when Doyle comes back, he'll be good. He was our golden boot winner last year with five whopping goals. Um, But Luis Solnyak, who's playing up top right now, he's only scored two goals in the last year and a half uh, in club play. Those have both been this season, but, um, you know, he hasn't shown me too much to impress me. So, honestly, it's going to be more of the pound the ball over the top and see if someone can run onto it or try and score off free kicks. So, uh, I I haven't seen too much from the Red Bulls this year, but I'm not too worried, I mean, about your guys' ability to – you know, shut us down. I'm worried about our now at home, you know, we're a little bit better. We've been pretty good against the Red Bulls at home, um, especially over the last five years. But, you know, I don't I I don't see a a way that we can score goals consistently. All right. So uh, after your Colorado's win last night uh, at Kansas City, uh, Pablo Mestroni had a kind of weird rant or response to a question. (laughs) And I think it has to be discussed. Uh, basically, you know, he was asked if things bounced away. And I'm going to read his the first few sentences verbatim, and I want your opinion. Says, okay. Yeah, if, you, if you want to stay on that note, I asked the question, what are we doing on this planet? It's spinning a million miles an hour. How are we not feeling it? It's a crazy phenomenon, and that's why the game of football is so beautiful. So uh, how do you feel about that? <laughs> it's okay, so this is one big thing for us Rapids fan, right? Like, Pablo, I think, like, fancies himself like this Phil Jackson, like, super cerebral type. Like, he is going to, like, unlock the secrets to the universe, and that is going to unlock the secrets of soccer to him. It's going to make him, like, this huge coach. Um, he, the, leading into the season, he's been talking all about pedagogy and the way he teaches, and he gave surveys to his players at the end of the year, asking them to tell him what he does well and what he needs to improve upon and all this stuff. He is like this weird guru who thinks that he can just like magically put pieces of the puzzle together or be like this Zen master and all of a sudden the world of football is going to open up to him. I have no idea what he's on about. I have no idea what that has to do with soccer whatsoever. Um, but I mean, it's just more Pablo being Pablo. Oh man. All right. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's transition, I guess, to. A little board, uh, more of the, the international side since that was our bread and butter back in the day on Yanks Go Marching. Sure. Um, you know, it, we've, it's obviously been a little bit of a while since the, uh, U.S. national team play, uh, faced off against Guatemala. Um, what's, uh, what's your opinion on the current state 
at the United States national team with uh, Jurgen Klinsmann at the helm. And, and you know, you're, if, you're <laughs> baiting me, Pat. You're baiting. Me. <laughs> hey, I'm just, you know, I'm throwing it out there. What's it's your, you know, especially with the rumors that uh, that apparently are coming out of Everton that he might he might be a jumping ship. Well, listen, I mean, the results. The results here are becoming consistently concerning enough to warrant pressure. I mean, if if Jurgen wants to talk about being the kind of you know is big on the world stage, he has that, that there are certain um, expectations that come with that, and certainly pressure on the coach is one of those. Uh, I think he's been given a lot of rope. I. I still believe his global vision as technical director um, is correct. Uh, I think that he has a lot to offer in that respect, but you can't um, keep explaining away the problems that, that we've been having um, on a tactical, purely tactical and lineup standpoint for, for the U S men's national team. I mean, I've not said anything that hasn't been said before, but you know, the lineups don't always make sense. Players are played out of position. Players aren't put in the best position to succeed. And I think the biggest thing is that, I mean, Klinsman is a little bit cold, right? I mean, he doesn't seem to be a guy who's there for the players. And I think for, that can work for a while. But at the end of the day, it, it kind of it, it kind of sours players to a certain style of coaching. So, you know, I it's hard to say because Sunil is going to give him as much time as it takes. He's probably going to be here through the through the entire cycle, um, you know. Given that we qualify, and I, you know that is an if, but we're back in the driver's position to get back into the hex. Um, but so it's hard to say. Well, he should be gone. He should be here. He should be whatever. I I definitely feel like the talent level is not where we want it to be. There aren't those real quality players coming in behind the Joneses, the Dempseys, the Howards um, that that we can count on, that we can hang our hat on. And that might be the first time uh, in in a decade, 15 years, where we haven't had the promise of really good players kind of backing up the ones who are there. So that's my take. Yeah, I mean, I think to a certain extent, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, there's definitely none of that top-level caliber, but I almost feel like sometimes Klinsman just refuses to accept what he has, tries to find – goes, you know, to the ends of the earth to find some superstar, but we don't have superstars. And it's like sometimes you just got to play with the hand you're dealt, and he refuses to do that. Um, but that well, and that's, that's certainly it. true. Yeah. But it, it, so that's where you emphasize team play. And that's that's one thing I don't think Klinsman does the best is get get the most out of his team in terms of a, of a really uh, well-oiled focus. I mean, that's Leicester City right now is the perfect example, right? Mm. Not world-beating talent, but they, you know, by playing together, by playing in a system that they all understand their roles, everything is really clear. Uh, and and they do have a little bit of that, you know, even for lack of talent, a little bit of that verve that Klinsman promised, promises but never delivers. So uh, to me, that's, that's the model. We're never going to have the talent of Brazil, of Spain, of France, of Italy, uh, you know, or, or Germany. But we need to kind of I, get back to playing an American style of soccer, hard together, run like hell for 90 minutes, 
um, puts fast guys on the wings that create trouble for people and and have big guys in there that we can score on set pieces, defend until our legs fall off, and then, you know, and see, let the results fall where they may, but at least we left it all on the field. Right now, I think the biggest problem with the men's national team is I just don't always see the effort. I don't always see the belief. And to me, that's the thing that's distinctively American. And that's the thing that I don't think Jurgen connects with as much as, as we would hope he does. Uh, uh, one thing, I mean, you did mention how we don't have the next uh, guys coming up. Uh, but what do you think maybe there's some progress in the fact that, you know, two MLS homegrown players are now plying their trade in the Premier League between Matt Miazga and, uh, and DeAndre Yedlin? Okay. Yeah. I mean, plying their trade, but I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're guys who got signed to big clubs and got loaned out, you know, so let's not get too excited, get too ahead of ourselves. I like Yedlin's progress so far. Um, Miazga, you know, it's going to take a little time to see, but, uh, you know, I, I would like to see more guys going over to Europe and taking the hard path. And I know this is a point of contention with you that, you know, oh, you know, Clidsman dogs the MLS, but it's just an easier path for them. They're, they're not challenged as much. They're kind of hand the reins. Uh, they're, they're superstars. Uh, when really iron sharpens iron and that's what you need uh you know, for these, for these young developing players, they need competition. They need to play against players that are better than them in order to improve their own um, skill, their game. I think that's going to remain a consistent thing uh, regardless. And until MLS is an elite, elite league. And I think that's a long way off. You're not going to get that kind of progress from guys unless they're playing abroad. So I I would like to see more of it, but it's, you know, jury's still out on how good that's going to end up, end up. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not opposed to guys playing overseas. Uh, you know, it's, and I'm not saying they must play in MLS. I mean, I just think playing in MLS is better than sitting on the bench in Europe. And in a lot of cases, that is. And, and it goes back to my point I made earlier that Klinsman just sometimes ignores the hand that he's dealt. And sometimes you just, you can't get the German American kid whose heart's not in it just because the guy in his position, the best guy in the American pool in his position, is uh, an MLS. I mean, that's really uh, my point when it comes to MLS versus Klinsman. I mean, it certainly is not the best op- option, but it's better than many, you know? Sure. And you know what? I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, I, I would like to see more of those guys playing for the Dutch, you know, teams, uh, second division German teams, second division Spanish teams. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it, it's a good style of play. There's opportunities to, to get out there and really go after it. And then at the end of the day, I mean, they, they're still having to play in like, you know, Europa qualifiers and different things where they're playing against better teams, having to fight for more. Nothing's given. Everything's earned. And that to me is the, is the real way that, that you build quality players. Uh, so let's switch gears a little bit. Um, let's kind of come back to MLS since we were talking about uh, opportunities for players. Don Garber today mentioned uh, that Sac Republic is going to be, or Sacramento Republic, sorry, is going to be joining uh, MLS. I forget when exactly, uh, but that he also aims to have the league expand to uh, 28 teams versus the current 20. Um, so right now, I think it's 23 that are known with uh, Atlanta, Minnesota, and Sacramento. But so, how do you feel about the fact that this league's going to just keep on growing and growing at this point? 
Well, I mean, certainly there's a concern about depth of talent. Um, it's already a mediocre league. Uh, one thing I think about the Red Bulls is I don't think they're bad. I don't think they were as good as everyone thought last year. I don't think they're as bad as they're playing right now. I don't think the Rapids are that good. But, I mean, I just think the talent across the board in MLS is mediocre. Sitting out the pool is just going to kind of continue that trend. Um, but, hey, I think what, if we get up to 28 teams by 2020 – We'll only be 12 teams, Pat, away from uh, from pro-rel, right? I mean, that's the realistic number, right? 20 teams per – I mean, you could do it with 18 in each league, so 36. But, I mean, it's becoming a realistic possibility at that point, right? you got to imagine. I mean, certainly the people who support pro-relegation are going to get much, much louder. Um, you know, it's <laughs> – I, yeah, I, 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 you know, I've been on record and I'll say it again. I'm not opposed to the idea of promotion relegation. Um, you know, I, it's just, I wonder how many owners, uh, American owners would just stick with soccer if they were relegated. You know, it, it's just, that's the, the issue here. I mean, the, the MLS, you know, for all its flaws is heavily protectionist of its owners and, uh, financially so. And so, I mean, I don't know how many of them wouldn't just close up shop if they were bumped down to NASL. Say you made that the second division, um, you know. Uh, but again, like I said in the, I've said in the past, I'm not opposed to it. You know, it's uh, I, I think. I mean, I, I, if, if for no other reason, I think the my team being where it is would probably rarely, if ever, get uh, relegated. Um, but, you know, obviously a lot of things would have to change. You have to get rid of the salary cap. Uh, let people spend, spend, spend. And uh, that's uh, considering the demise of the original NASL, that's a, that's a bit of a scary proposition. I, I feel like soccer needs to become more popular in this country for pro-rel to be a realistic opportunity so that if a, if a team gets down to the second division, uh, fans are still showing up and investment is still there. So, uh, sure. but I and mean, basically that, football – like throwball has to die, right? I mean, yeah. that's what's got to happen. Well, I mean, it's, you know, as long as throwball players keep drooling on themselves after they retire, I think that there's a good chance of that. So, uh, I don't know if it's a good chance, but there is a chance. I will grant you, there's a chance. A chance, and and, uh, and for what it's worth, in terms of the pro well, pro well equals good for MLS argument. I personally think a winner's schedule would have a better uh, a better effect on the talent of the league than ProRail. But obviously for that to happen, one of two things would need to happen. MLS would need to, need to be the one of the top two sports in this country so that people are willing to go when it's 12 degrees out, or uh, you need to put roofs, retractable roofs on every stadium in the league. So, I mean, I, I do know that. And, and the NFL has to die. <laughs> so, I, so it's kind of weird. Um, I heard today that um, NBC Sports released their figures for um, the NHL's regular season. And I think the most of the viewers they had in a single game this year was like 440,000, and their average was like 380. Wow. So what does that tell you about the state of MLS, considering that they're probably it's either slightly lower or somewhere around that average? And some of our games are on Fox Sports, which is as widely available. Some of them are on Unimos, which is definitely not as widely available. Uh, I mean, that's... Not this is not necessarily a pro rel argument, but you got to kind of argue that maybe MLS isn't as unstable as people think it is, given the NHL's ratings. I'm not sure about that, but I mean it's a, it's an interesting theory. You said not as, not as. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's completely stable. I'm saying not as unstable. Well, I mean, yeah, but it's a it's a 
very tenuous stability, right? I mean, they, there's still a lot of building that has to go, and it's the kind of building that you can only do slowly. Um, I mean, I would argue that soccer is already more popular than NHL. It's just that MLS isn't more popular than NHL in this country. I mean, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the English Premier League ratings blow the NHL out of the water. You know, it's just a matter of that we all in this country have our, I mean, you know, I'm a diehard MLS, but, I mean, you like Manchester United. I really couldn't care about Europe. Uh, Jay likes Everton. Uh, other people don't care about MLS at all, like Liverpool, all those matches. I mean, so, um, you know, I'd say MLS is already more pop- or soccer is already more popular of, uh, than NHL. It's just a matter of getting people to put their eyes on MLS. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with that, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, I don't know what that means for what is actually going to, you know, be best for MS, MLS as it expands and grows. Mm. They need to expand the salary cap. Boom, I said it. Oh come on, it's got to be slow. It's got its progress is slow. Blah. Slow, slow, slow. Blah. Ten ten million dollar salary cap is not that expensive. There's no reason they can't put ten million and have three DPs. None. <laughs> Isn't the CBA a percentage now of league of league revenue or something like that? Uh, I don't know. All I know is Chris's uh, chalupa just got finished. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> so. no, not my chalupa. <laughs> Chalupa <Yeah>. Batman. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, go no, you got. I was going to wrap up, so unless you have okay. a question, yeah, let's do it. Just do a score prediction and blah blah blah. So you go ahead and do that. All right, so uh, let we got to kind of uh, cut this a little short, uh, but so we do have the match coming up on Saturday. Uh, Red Bulls traveling to take on Colorado for the only match of the year. Uh, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday in that match? Well, it, this is if the match actually takes place. We're expecting in the in the low foothills above 6,000 feet. Denver's at 5,280, so above 6,000 feet, we're expecting about three feet of snow. So <laughs> it could be another snow classico, Patty. All right. Um, it could be it could be a snowed out situation. It just depends upon you know how things uh, trend. You know. Uh, take place as, as you know, the thing, as the storm plays out. But um, assuming they play the game, uh, you know, Jermaine Jones is going to be uh, in there. Uh, I'm excited about his uh, debut for the, for the Rapids. Um, you know, even though he's 34, he was pretty effective uh, for the Revs when he played last year. Um, but, you know, I think our offense is still pretty poor. I think our defense um, is, is stout. It's the best defense in the league. We've only allowed four goals in six games. Um, but, you know, I, so I would say 1-1. One, 1-1 one. One, one scoreline is what I would expect. And um, I, I, I don't – we've only scored more than one goal once this season. It was the last game against Kansas City. I don't think we're going to score more than that. So I'd be, I'd be really surprised if we scored more than two goals. I, I, even playing at home, I don't see us doing too well. So – well, I don't know. What do you guys think? One one is my is my call. Uh, I think you guys are winning. <laughs> I, I, I think I have to save my prediction for the third segment, or else why do we have a third segment? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Well, that's fine. <laughs> so my tease is just uh, I think you're winning, but I haven't given a score prediction yet. <laughs> <laughs> so before we let you go, um, and before we let you uh, tell people where they can find you online. I have to give out only one yellow card for this segment. Okay, cool. What, what is it? Pat, for baiting you into a 
Jurgen Klinsmann discussion. What can I yeah, say? that's that's definitely a yellow. Definitely. <laughs> it's important stuff. And I don't think I had the whistle. I don't even think I had the whistle anymore either, so I can't use that unfortunately. Oh. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Chris, before we let you go, where can people find you online, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff? Oh, you know, don't find me. I'm I'm <laughs> hiding lately. Uh, uh, I, at Chris Kaminsky on Twitter. I, I'm not too uh, too active on the Facebook anymore. But you know, every once in a while, Patty and I get uh, real heated debates going uh, still with the Yanksville marching stuff. So, uh, and especially as the as the uh, qualification ramps up and we get closer to the hex, I think probably we'll be uh, talking a lot more about that and throwing yeah. things back and forth. Uh, it be really interesting to see what happens with, you know, with Klinsman and the Nats, but um, you know, otherwise, yeah, I'm just on the Twitters. Cool. All right. So uh, Chris, thank you for taking time out to come talk to us. Uh, we'll be back. Thanks for having me. It was good. It was, it was like the good old times. Let's do it again. Sometime. Except with me like actually talking. Imagine that. Maybe the next time, maybe the next time the Nats uh, play, we can have you on. There's an idea. Something like that, yeah, absolutely. Yanks go marching edition. Yes, yeah, so, uh, during the Copa America, Red Bull Random Yanks go marching edition. There you go. You got it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, well, Chris. Once again, we'll be back with more Red Bull Rant right after this. Welcome back to Red Bull Rant. Once again, I want to thank Chris for coming on the show. Uh, so before we went to the break from the first segment, I forgot to go over the prediction standings, uh, which haven't changed dramatically due to these two games. Um, so, Pat, you and I both called these games losses. Truman had a win and a draw, so he gets nothing. However, you called the San Jose match completely right. Yeah. And that was before we even saw the Kansas City game. Um so standings-wise, that means, Pat, you're now in first with five points. I am in second with three, and Truman is in third with one. Yay, I'm good at predicting losses. Woo! And that's actually... <laughs> you predicted three losses in a row, so... Yeah. And I'm going to predict a fourth. Yeah, I'm predicting another one, too. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, before we get to that, however, we do have another email from uh, Juan Mesa. We're going to... We were thinking about reading this one in the first segment, but just with all, everything going on, we felt like this deserved to be uh, separate in this segment right before we preview. Uh, so he writes in, uh, per Jeff Carlisle's Twitter, we got this. Uh, Sasha Kleshin on the first half said, quote, we were playing a little bit too scared. We needed to show more confidence and, to be frank, have more balls, unquote. Uh, this is kind of a multi-part email, so we'll talk about this a little bit of time. Uh, so... Juan says, I completely dislike this quote since he wasn't on the field for the first half anyway. Uh, not as bad as the infamous Rafa Marquez quote about Tim Ream back in the Hans Baca days, but close. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, I, I can see that angle, um, but question wasn't wrong. You know, I think whereas Rafa Marquez was deflecting blame um, that he rightfully deserved, um, question... He, he was right. I mean, we, we, they didn't have any confidence uh, or creativity in the first half. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's, you know, it, so it, it's, it's not an inaccurate quote. Um, and, and question is, 
one of the leaders of the team. So it, it's kind of his place to say. Um, does that mean the locker room is fracturing? I guess time will tell. I mean, it, it certainly more losses aren't going to help with locker room harmony. That's for sure. Um, you know, I, I think, but, uh, uh, you know, I think right now it, it is kind of worth me. I mean, Luis Robles called the team out too. Um, you know, it, it's, it's deserved, you know, so if it wasn't warranted, I would certainly be a bit more worried about it, especially if question was the reason um, they were failing. Um, but as he's not, uh, and since he is one of the leaders team, I think it kind of is his place to say uh, what was going on. So, um, but it's certainly a situation bear, uh, you know, that bears watching and see what happens. Uh, but it, hopefully it's not, the beginning of the uh, locker room, uh, beginning of the end of locker room harmony. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the quote in of itself is necessarily wrong. I think maybe, especially considering that the people uh, that the players in the first half were relatively uh, young kids who hadn't really been tested in MLS before, except for maybe like Sean Davis and Abon, maybe it was better side, said behind closed doors. But the, like you said, the quote itself is not inaccurate. Um, he actually, actually missed the line on this. He said, is the, quote, chip team feeling the kids' competition? Uh, I guess I would hope so. I mean, that isn't the whole point, right, is to have those players behind pushing the senior team to just be better. That's right. That's what every coach wants is the, the subs to be pushing the starters to get better because without that, then you're not really improving as a team. And for what it's worth, I mean, I think for, for the way this team is going, I think uh, Marsh should be sprinkling in the young kids a bit more. Um, you know, uh, me and Truman were talking off air, uh, last night and, um, you know, he was saying, I mean, we both agreed that we didn't understand why Sam was one of the starters not benched, um, because he has not been good this season at all. And, um, you know, it, and Truman just flat out said, fuck it, put in Etienne, you know, give the kid a look, see what he can do because, uh, it's, it's just not working right now. And, uh, I don't. I don't think we, we should see a major overhaul because, I mean, you know, like we, we, you know, we just talked about the U.S. national team and Jurgen Klinsman. Jurgen Klinsman does that and it does not prove good results. But sprinkling in a guy here or there, maybe Tyler Adams here, Etienne there, you know, sprinkling the men, giving uh, the, the vets a rest or whatever, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's a worthy idea. Uh, so the rest of his email says, and we have a quote from March 2, quote, we try to be a team that plays with no fear, to be brave, have courage, and go after games. Right now, we lack that. I hope everything is okay in the locker room, and it's just my South American telenovela mind seeing weird things. <laughs> Best for you. Uh, so, Juan, thanks, Juan, for writing in. Um, I think Marsh, again, is on the same page as question that the team just doesn't seem to have that killer edge. And maybe that's... I, in the first segment, I was talking about things we need to change. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's not necessarily a system thing, but it's just a, a confidence killer edge thing. Maybe there's just not don't have that swagger that they seem to have all of last year. Yeah. Um, and, and you wonder and, why. I mean, you wonder why. I mean, this team was great last year. I mean, what 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 happened to their confidence? Where did it go? I mean, is it because they spent all preseason with Verone and they can't get? back to what they did last year, you know, I mean, cause that's what they're lining up like did last year. And is it because they're worried about the back line? I mean, that, that certainly can play into their kill you know, like, well, oh, if I make a bad pass here, they're going to hit us on the counter. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's going to take the health of the back line to get their confidence back. 
I, I don't know, but yeah, it's again these these sentiments are not inaccurate. Um, and maybe maybe this is what it needs to be called out in the press to get this team to finally function properly. I, I don't know. I mean, you gotta try something. I mean, during the 2014 World Cup qualifying, didn't the U.S. like pull together after that anonymous piece on Jurgen Klinsmann in the locker room? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, mean, maybe, I mean, I know it's not anonymous, but maybe this is the same thing where it's just one of those things where hey, let's kind of call each other out because this is what we're going to need to get things fixed. But Absolutely. Time will tell. Um, so we'll see how the Red Bulls do starting on Saturday when they travel to Colorado, the second in a two-game road trip. Uh, that game is Saturday, April 16th, 9 p.m. start time. Uh, the game will be broadcast on MSG. Uh, since Truman's not here, his prediction is a 2 nothing loss. He... Is, is feeling the losing like we are. But, Pat, let's get to you. What do you think is going to happen on Saturday? Uh, I mean, I think the Rebels are going to drop another one. Um, you know, the, the you know our guest Chris kind of talked about Colorado's offense isn't great, but their defense is. Um, so, I, I mean, I kind of think it's going to be not unlike the game in New England. Um, you know, I, I do think they will drop this one one nothing. Uh, maybe we'll see uh, Zubar back in the back line, even though he's not great. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's, yeah, I'm pretty much, I'm going to go with a one nothing loss. I mean, unfortunately I don't see them breaking out of their funk. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Son of a bitch. <coughs> hey, go ahead. I mean, Denver is not an easy road trip. I mean, you know, high altitude, um, you know, they, they didn't get a chance to go home. They're going to be sleeping in hotels for like a week now. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, I just don't see this being the game. The Rebels break out of their funk. It'd be nice if that's what happened, but I doubt it. So I'm going to go with a one nothing loss uh, for the Rebels. Uh, I think I'm going to go 2-1. Um, Jermaine Jones is back for Colorado. Uh, he's done with his six-game suspension. So I think that they'll, he'll add another, another dimension to the attack. And you know how the Red Bulls have had problems with Jermaine Jones. Uh, in recent past. Uh, I think we will see, though, a finally square goal on the road. Uh, it will still be a loss, though. I think, I'm think i thinking 2-1 between that back line, which even if Zubar comes back, it's still makeshift because you have not had players in game situations playing together, building up that just you know that chemistry that you need to build up as a back line. Um, I, so I'm saying 2-1 because I feel like with Jermaine Jones, the back line, and then maybe BWP finally gets over the hump and scores that goal. But I, I just don't think it's coming. I don't think the win is coming yet. Maybe against Orlando, maybe the week after, but just not yet. Yeah. All right. So time for the dumping ground. Um, I know we each have something to talk about. So Pat, you can go first. Um, I don't know if I have anything soccer related, but I do have something that could be Red Bull fan related. Um, you know, I've been reading uh, up on the fact that Newark wants to ban Uber uh, from uh, without them paying. You know, he wants basically wants them to pay uh, taxes like cat and the fees like the cab companies doing. Basically, charging drivers fifteen hundred a pop to operate in Newark. Uh, so really, that's just a you know word out to you fans that use Uber uh, to conveniently get to and from Rebel games. Uh, you're either going to have to uh, get a ride out of Harrison, or you're going to have to take the train because uh, Ross Baraka doesn't understand what uh, good is what what's good for the consumer is also good for the city. Um, you know, it, so it's just, it's an unfortunate thing. I mean, I drive for Uber. I do. Uh, I drive in Newark sometimes. 
Um, you know, really the people that are going to get hurt the most are the people who don't have a lot of money that live in Newark um, and have been using Uber as a rather inexpensive means to get around. Uh, now they're going to be forced to take an expensive option. And uh, really, it's just, I mean, it, it, you know, they're saying it's unfair competition. Well, then reduce the reduce the fees on the cab drivers if you want to give allow them to operate. I mean, driving competition out of the city is not the way to go. I'm not getting political. I'm sorry. But uh, really, just in the <laughs> end, for uh, for Red Bull, for fans who liked the convenience of Uber, you're not going to have it anymore. So if you want to complain, you can go to the Wednesday city council meeting where they will be discussing this uh, opportunity. So uh, that's up to you. Uh, but yeah, or just tweet at the mayor, Ross Baraka. Um, it's, it's rather an unfortunate thing that's happening. All right. So switching topics a little bit, uh, World Cup 2026 bids are starting to uh, get submitted to FIFA. I think I'm pretty sure they said Canada was among the bids uh, for 2026. And the reason I bring that up is because I guarantee you that they will have grass fields for the men. Of course they will. Because why not, right? Of course they will. Fucking quality I mean, and all that shit, right? Yeah, of course they will. I mean, it's it's just one of the another one of the shady aspects of FIFA, and you know, I, I unfortunately don't believe, especially after um, the the recent president elect, I, I can't think of his name right now. Um, you know, asked the U.S. Attorney General's government for all the money they seized back because that was used criminally, and it's actually FIFA's money. I mean, it's like the balls, you know, it's like, so I, I don't view we're on the, the precipice of great change with FIFA. I mean, Qatar still having the World Cup in 2022 should be enough evidence of that. Um, so it, it's, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know. I mean, if Canada gets the World Cup, and I, I don't think they will, I think Mexico, if it's going to go to Caffin, it probably will. It'll probably go to the United States or Mexico. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're going to get it, I, you know, just because we're kind of a thorn in the FIFA side right now. Um, you know, so it, it's it'll probably be Mexico. Uh, but if by chance Canada gets it, of course, they'll have grass fields because FIFA, while they don't give a shit about the women, you know, it, it's they're the men. It's just, you know, they're, they're going to demand it. So it's, it's it's a shame. The double standard is a shame. But what are you going to do? Uh, and that's it for me. I got nothing else. And we'll we'll leave terrible team of the week because I feel like if I do, I'm just gonna pick the Red Bulls. That's not I, a good thing. I think I would too. So terrible team of the week, New York Red Bulls. There you go. Um, so let's wrap this one up. Uh, you can visit us at onceometro.com/slash/red-ball-rant. Uh, support us by going to patreon.com/slash/redbullrant and throwing us a few dollars to help us keep the show going. Uh, Redbullrant at gmail.com if you want to email us during the week. Nine seven three three four eight five three two nine. If you want to call us like Tommy from Bayonne, um, Facebook.com slash Red Bull Rant on Twitter at Red Bull Rant for the show at uh, Doctor Stooge for myself at PMac D eight two for Pat at the Truman for Truman. Subscribe to us via iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or SoundCloud.com slash Red hyphen Bull hyphen Rant. Pat, last words before we get out of here. Uh, come on, Red Bulls, break out of this funk and win. Yeah. So for Pat and myself, this was episode number 179 of the Red Bull Rant. Thank you guys for tuning in, and as always, go Red Bulls. Lates.